Today's scripture is from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. You were dead through the trespasses and sins in which you once lived, following the course of this world, following the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work among those who are disobedient. All of us once lived among them in the passions of our flesh, following the desires of flesh and senses, and we were by nature children of wrath like everyone else. But God, who is rich in mercy, out of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead through our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that In the ages to come, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are what he has made us, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Tammy. Good morning and welcome to everyone. I'm Rob Gill, one of the pastors here, and I'm delighted to share this word. I want to say just a word about our music leadership this morning. Uh, Thank you so much, especially those of you who uh, were here, uh, our young people, uh, about to go off to college, and then we have one about to, well, in eighth grade. I mean, uh, that was, and this was her debut, and so it was wonderful, and thank you all for, for leading, and Sam, thank you for pulling that together and, and working with us. Uh, it's a delight to see our young people so engaged in worship in this hour, um, and I look forward to those times ahead when we increase in the, the number and the different kinds of persons who lead with the variety of gifts we have here. It's a, it's a real joy. The title of my sermon this morning is Accepted for Real. Accepted for real. A nervous bride was panicking about an hour before her wedding, so much so that she went to the pastor and and asked if he would sit down with her and and help her calm down. And so the pastor and the bride and uh, a couple of the the bridesmaids went into the pastor's study, and, and, and he said, just remember how much you love him. I've watched you over these past few years. Your love has bloomed. And remember when we were in our premarital counseling, what you talked and how you pledged your love for him? He said, I'll tell you what you do. It's just really a matter of focus. He said, when you get to the entrance of the sanctuary, just focus on three things, the aisle, the altar, and him. Just just think about the aisle and the altar in the hymn. And so when the bride got there with her father, she was about to go into the grand swell of the music, and she was coming down the altar with her dad. And you could hear her say, I'll alter him. I'll alter him. <laughs> Most of the ladies are laughing. <laughs> you know what? You and I have been altered. You and I have been altered by an amazing gift from God called grace, unmerited, unfavored love. God has altered our human condition. We have the possibility of life eternal now. And like on the 
bulletin that's covered this morning, God has written his name on our hearts and our name on his hearts, not the heel of his shoe. There's an explanation for that in a minute. It's coming. But there is this relationship that's, that Paul talks about in the Ephesians letter when we were far off, but now because of God in Christ, we've been brought close. Now, the theme for the movie this week, Toy Story, and I want to commend Tammy for each week, but I want to thank her daughter. But we wanted to sim- symbolize a, a room where little boys played. Could be little girls too. But this particular case, we have boots, cowboy boots. And there are two characters in this movie. And they become friends before the movie is over with. In fact, there's this theme song in Toy Story. Anybody know what it is? Even sang it, thank you very much. You've got a friend in me. I thought about singing a little James Taylor this morning, but there's another song that you're going to f- figure out and hear at the end. But you've got a friend in me. And, the, and these two toys are, a- Andy is the boy, and he has two toys. There's a new toy that comes into the playroom, and all the toys are excited about Buzz Lightyear, this space ranger, he thinks who comes from this far distant planet to fight against the, the evil Ugg. Buzz is a new toy, and he's splendid, and he is, taught, he is all that and then some, he thinks. His phrase is, to infinity and beyond. All except for Woody. Woody's been Andy's favorite toy, so Woody believes. And Woody is a, is a, a cowboy doll that has strings on it, and you pull it, and he says all sorts of things that are really neat. There's a rivalry that develops between Buzz and, and Woody in the movie, uh, and it leads to them being kidnapped by this mischievous boy who lives next door. Now, the result of this kidnap brings these two characters into a revelation during the movie. Each of them discovers that both of them have been in denial of their true selves. Each is a toy, but they are Andy's toys. These are Buzz, these are Woody's boots. That's Andy. Andy's written his name on the bottom of Woody's boots. He also wrote his name on Buzz's boots, and Buzz didn't know it till he looked towards the end of the movie. God has written his name on our hearts. My friends, I don't know if you know it, and some days it's difficult to believe because some, some days can be really crummy. Nothing goes right. Things are terrible. They just are. I don't know if you have those days very often. I hope you don't. But sometimes they're just absolutely terrible. And it's hard to believe that we are God's beloved. But in our text today from Ephesians, Professor Richard Carlson suggests that our Christian life is a before and after resulting from God's intervention into the world through Christ. See, God's love has radically altered who we are and whose we are and how we're able to live and why we can live the way we do in Christ. The author of our text knows something about this. He had a before and after life. 
if you read in chapter 9 of the, of, the God, of the book of Acts, you'll read about this man named Saul who was out to persecute Christians. But God spoke to him through Jesus on the road to Damascus, and he literally changed his name and his whole direction in life. He went from Saul to become the apostle Paul and spent the rest of his life proving that that moment on the Damascus road altered his faith, his life, and his journey. In verse 3 of our, our 1 through 3 in our text this morning, there's a, I hope you heard, can you bring that text up, guys? There's a myriad of, of ideas and images. Once we lived among, we lived among our passions. Okay, were we at the right one? All of us, thank you. There we go. We were dead in our trespasses in which we used to live. We followed the course of the world. We followed the ruler of the powers of the air, and it made us disobedient. Those, those powers of the air, that language there, is a phrase that the first readers of this letter would understand. In the worldview of the Ephesians, it refers to the evil that existed between the heavens and the earth. The ancients believed in a three-tiered universe. They believed in the underworld, they believed in earth, and they believed in the heavens. And this, this area between earth and heaven, they believed, was filled with evil spirits, and it was, it was like passions had run wild. They were so bad. But Paul says, my friends, our passions now have a chance to be under control by the grace of God. Our lives are altered because of what God has done in Christ. Verses 4 through 7 show God's acceptance, acceptance of us and how our transformation is accomplished. This divine love of God had nothing to do with how lovable you and I might, may have been. This love of God has to do with everything about who God is and how powerful how God's love is. Remember in the children's sermon, thank you, see it? Going back to get John Bell, going and finding John Bell, moving with John Bell from place to place, state to state, taking care of John Bell. That's what God does with us. He moves with us in all the states and experiences of our journeys, whether we're on the mountaintop or we're in the gutter. He comes and looks for us. Sometimes he sends people after us. That's what God's love and acceptance of us means to him. And then in verse 8, we read that all-powerful, for by grace we've been saved through faith. It has a passive tone to it if you're a linguist. It has a passive tone for a reason. It reminds us that we did nothing to make salvation possible so that we can't say in our human doing, look at me, look at me. As awesome as we human beings can be, and we can be pretty awesome, let's face it. Paul reinforces that we should never take credit for an achievement like this. And in this passage, he, in, he, he opens up this purview of the grandeur of God's love for us. 
This passive language is emphasized the, the duration of our salvation. He goes backwards first about our past and brings it into the present and leaves us looking forward to hopeful love. And it underscores the extravagance of how much God loves you. Do you really know that today? And if that's not enough, this grace helps us live examples as examples of grace to others. I was thinking about in my journey, I, went, I go back 40 years to high school. I was a 15-year-old freshman in Vicksburg, wanted a, a summer job. We had a man in our church that uh, was in World War II. He was a fighter pilot. He played football for the University of Alabama when Coach Bryant coached the freshman way back when. Came to Vicksburg and had a Western Auto Store downtown on Washington Street. His name was George Gammon. And for four years I worked in his store in the summers and during the school when I was not playing sports. I never saw the man lose his composure. I'm sure he's looked at me before with those eyes. He's corrected me before with words, but he didn't shame me, never. He got my attention. He, he hired high school boys to be delivery boys and work for him in the warehouses and do the things, the thing we had at Moses, putting uh, something together at Christmas for somebody so that Santa Claus could get there and come by and pick it up. But I watched him deal with the public and downtown Jackson people of all state, stations in life. He even gave an employee who stole money from me a second chance. He and, he and my father and some other men were, the, were one of the first, they were part of one of the first integrated civic clubs in the state of Mississippi, the Kiwanis Club in Vicksburg in the 1970s. When he walked into church, he sat back over there about, about on the second to the last row. And this was the 70s. Parker was in here just a few minutes ago. Did y'all see Parker's bow tie, how cute it was? Mr. George wore those big bow ties. Not like Dr. Lucas does, you know, those little cool uh, stylish ones. But Mr. George wore the, and he had a handshake. When you shook hands with Mr. George, your hand had been shook. But there was something about it. There was something about him that, that a 57-year-old man can remember 40-plus years ago about how God's love and God's grace. He wasn't a wimp. He was an imposing fellow. He played tight in in college. But there was something about him that was real, that was sincere, and he mentored men in our community. He mentored my dad as a younger pastor when he needed somebody to go talk to. Oftentimes, he went to see Mr. George. That's what grace does. It helps us live our lives as witnesses to others, not because we're good, but because we allow God to live through us, and it teaches us, and it matures us, and it makes us aware, and it helps us pay attention to see things other people don't see, and go the second and third mile, and be forgiving of others, and be more tolerant of people who are different from us, without losing our own sense of self. And the second thing is that our design and original purpose as God's example began before creation. Wrap your mind around that. That God's intent for us by design 
to be a loving, caring relationship happened before he even said, let there be light. Now, there's a sense in the movie, scene in the movie, where this reality of acceptance occurs for both Buzz and Woody, and at the same time, they both realize what it means to be Andy's toy. Y'all watch. they get out of their predicament because they work together. And in the final scene of the movie, they end up where they've always wanted to be, in Andy's arms. Ask you a question. When you reflect on your current reality, what does it mean for you to be accepted by God? Why is it so difficult or for us to trust or believe. It seems early in our development, the need to perform, to compete, to manipulate, to bargain, and even deny, infiltrate our human experience with such possessive power. And at times, our reptilian brain seems to control and direct us, and that's compounded by the fears of feeling inadequate. So we inflate and fake it to make it. Worse off in poor decisions, not only make a negative impact on us, but they impact other people in our lives. Buzz and Woody came to this place of acceptance, which led them to discover Andy's love. I wondered this morning, is there anything about you that keeps you from believing that no matter what, no matter whom, no matter how long ago, that God is still able 
to claim you by his grace. I know that I've done and said things that have injured people, bodily and emotionally. And perhaps you have too. You've received those kind of blows. We may never forget them. But they don't have to control us. We're accepted, warts and all, or as my nephew Clint McGraw would say, for real. It's hard for me to wrap my mind around grace sometimes, but it's not a mind thing, folks. It's a heart thing. And God is good at fixing broken or jaded hearts. If you don't hear anything today, you are accepted for real. And when we live accepted, we're able to reflect in our actions and daily living the talents that God has placed in our lives. It's not an instant in every case, but it's a promise we can trust. A few weeks ago, I shared with you a slogan. I hope some of you remembered. I'm going to share it with you again repetitively. Every saint has a past, but every sinner has a future. A few years ago, Several. I spent a year in Lumberton while I was going to grad school here at USM. We had Sunday night church back then, and usually there would be 10 or 12 people that would come, mostly older folks, but sometimes young people would show. In this particular Sunday night, this little boy who has been a sort of a neighborhood rascal, he'd gotten into trouble and he'd done some things, and people knew who he was. He was not Dennis the Menace, but he was close. He was in the room with us that night, and we were asking for hymns. We were singing out of the old Methodist hymnal, that little brown one, and I had my guitar, and we were playing old hymns and singing, and, he's, and we asked him, did he have a song that he would like for us to sing? And he said, yeah. He said, I want to sing that song about Andy. Andy. And I looked at a couple of the ladies. I said, I don't think there's one in this book about Andy. I said, I don't think we know that song. Do you know it? He said, yeah, it's that song that goes, Andy walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own and the joy we share as we tarry there none other has ever get it for real, you're accepted in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. May we respond to this word with our tithes and God's offerings.